Welcome to The Waitlist. I'm Alex. I'm a student trainee psychotherapist in the UK. According to MIND, there are 1.6 million people on the waiting list for mental health treatment with the NHS. A further 8 million can't get on the list because they're not deemed unwell enough. My aim for The Waitlist podcast is to explore different ways we can support our own mental health. I'll be interviewing people with a range of perspectives on mental well-being, including psychotherapy. If something piques your interest, I'd encourage you to do your own research. I'll be sharing resources in the show notes. Now let's get started with this week's episode. This episode contains themes of suicide, which may not be suitable for all listeners. If you need resources to support you, I've included those in the show notes. Jake Tyler is a mental health advocate and broadcaster. Jake's BBC Radio Sussex and Surrey show, Open Up with Jake Tyler, launched in September 2019 with guest Matt Haig. Jake wrote the book, A Walk from the Wild Edge, after taking on the 3,000 mile journey to walk the entirety of the UK in 2018, prompted by his struggle with depression. I had the pleasure of working with Jake on TEDx Brighton, where he delivered his moving and yet incredibly funny talk, I'm Fine Learning to Live with Depression. And I would encourage you, along with the 4 million other people that have already checked this out, to go to TED.com or go to YouTube and give that a watch. In this episode, Jake and I are going to explore depression. So at the waitlist, as you know, we believe that mental health can be a taboo topic. And we like to kind of get straight in there and really open up about mental health. So I like to borrow a question from Alan DeBotton, which is straight off the bat, how are you mad, Jake? (laughs) I don't suppose you ever listened to Dark Side of the Moon, did you? By Pink Floyd? I want to say yes, but the reality is no. Right. Okay. (laughs) Don't judge you for it. But, but there were these voices that, that went throughout the album that I didn't really understand. And then I saw the making of once and, and they'd actually asked people like a load of questions throughout. And one of them was, I think what, one of them was like, when was the last time you had a fight? And the next question was, were you in the right? And then one of the questions was, do you think you're going mad? And the, the responses to that question were, were sort of the heartbeat of the, of the whole album, really. Like it gave it real personality. Um, so it's a cool question to 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 open on. Um, I f- I sometimes feel like I might go mad. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. When when sort of thoughts spiral, which they do when I feel the way I do sometimes, I think a bit of madness is good. You, you know, and yeah, tricky one. Um, how am I mad? I mean, I'm sure people would say that walking, spending a year living in a tent, walking around Britain's. <laughs> quite a mad thing to do yeah um but ever since i finished that I've, I've i've lived a fairly unmad existence you know getting back to reality and taking on what i learned about myself and that you know when i had all that mental space and mm-hmm. time to work on myself um so yeah i appreciate that my hair makes me look a bit mad at the moment. <laughs> I had a mishap with some bleach last night. And do you know how I know it looks bad? Because you didn't say anything when I came in. <laughs> <laughs> I must say I didn't really notice. Did you not? No. Oh, okay, that's Now nice. I feel like I should say I know. Yeah, well, basically, if, if anyone's listening and can't see, I didn't leave it on long enough and it's got that sort of coppery, yellowy, orange thing can, going now on. Now you're saying it. Yeah. I can see what you mean. But I just needed to get a couple of goes with the, the silver shampoo. I think it will, it will sort it out. I it's, didn't know you dyed your hair full stop. I think that's mad. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the first time I've done it since I was about 17. So yes, yesterday was the most 17-year-old day I've had in so long. So my partner and I went out for dinner and everywhere was full. And she was like, fuck it, should we just go Nando's? Yeah. I was like, whoa. Curveball. I've never been. Throwback. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but I've never been. It You've was, never it was, been? No, no, no. It's a throwback for her, but I've never been to Nando's. That's blown my mind. I know. And I went in there and we sat down and I was like, something about this, even though I've never been here before, is really nostalgic for me. Yeah. And then I went up and refilled the thing and you got the, the, the uh, ice cream factory, yeah. but yogurt thing. Oh, no. and, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, wow. And then I had to get on a bus to go and pick up that suitcase over there. Yeah. So I'm flying to Canada on Monday. And I was like, Oh my god! So like, I, I went out for for like a Nando's with like the refill thing yeah. with with someone, little kiss, yeah. and then I got on the bus. So yeah. I was like, "This is so." I really feel. And then we bleached my I hair when got I got home. Yeah. It, was, it was a real throwback oh, that's day. Yeah, yeah. I love it. That's I, great. I, I do look. I've had a few 
sympathetic looks from some women <laughs> on the on the way in today. Like you didn't Been leave there. that on long enough, did you? <laughs> That's amazing. I need to show you pictures of my blonde days because they were absolutely awful. I I think there's there's something really uniquely hilarious about a hair dying disaster. Totally. I, I, I feel like it's it's always a funny anecdote, yeah. and I feel like I can plot my mental stability yeah. based on my hair <laughs> if I really look back yeah. like sometimes I think like when people ask me oh have you got any tattoos I'm like have you seen some of the hair choices that yeah. I've made in, in my yeah. lifetime so far I don't want those to be permanent yeah yeah um, yes very good so just to take things down a little it would be great to understand a bit more about your journey mm-hmm. um, you've been quite busy over the last five years yeah. can you share a little bit about kind of where you've kind of been and 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 some of the things that you've been doing yeah well i mean yeah life life took quite a weird trajectory about five years ago um i was running a bar in short locally actually Mm -hmm. um in shoreditch and um i'd been working and running bars for um a few years previously and that that was like a, a kind of a sort of clear career path for me almost mm-hmm. you know i love i love like com- the community mm-hmm. of 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 the you know the public house i love it as a british institution i loved getting really pissed mm-hmm. regularly and for mm-hmm. it to be totally normal and and all the sort of um fun that comes with that but it, you know without without really knowing myself and um and who i was and and crucially what what my mental state was was doing it it was a sort of sort of cycle of um sort of suffering almost mm. you, you know um i i always thought i had this thing you know the best way i can describe it was i felt like periodically my my personality would just disappear mm. completely mm-hmm. and i didn't really know what that was you know i'd never you know deep dived into mental health or depression or anything mm-hmm. like, you know, obviously if someone, you know, I would have known what it was if someone said they were depressed. But, but before you start vocalizing these things, for me anyway, I just sort of felt like there was this part of me that was just like, Oh no, that's, that's broken. Mm. So, and, and what would happen was my, my, yeah, my personality would just leave me for anything between a couple of days and sometimes a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And in that mm-hmm. time I'd, I'd, really retreat and um become incredibly antisocial um drink a lot more to try and give myself that sort of artificial mm-hmm, pep, mm-hmm. like energy and um and yeah i just i just completely spiraled basically just neglected that the, the thing that i was dealing with all that time was mm-hmm. depression and, and that i was managing it in really destructive ways mm-hmm. um so it all came to a head when i was running this bar in shoreditch and um uh yeah i i you know got to the darkest stage of my life you know was completely suicidal completely you know everyone in my life will be better off if i wasn't here you know all these mm. all these lies that depression mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. tells you i was listening really intently because i had no way of you know and i was just covering it up with more booze more late mm-hmm. nights more more drugs you know mm-hmm. so i was i was you know highly self-medicated mm-hmm. at that time um and and it got, and it did got to get to the point where either either I was going to kill myself or I was going to have to let someone in, mm. you know, to what was going on. Because you weren't articulating it at the time, right? Like <clears throat> no. all of this, as you say, like the lies that your seemingly your brain was telling you, mm-hmm. it felt like, and I feel like I can say this because we've spoken about it yeah, quite a yeah. lot, but it felt like you couldn't articulate it at the at the time. Not at all. No. Yeah. I wouldn't know where to start really mm. because it's like a lifetime of, well, you know. I, I'm, I'm going to have to tell people I'm I'm a, I'm mad or broken or something. Mm, mm. Well, I'm going to tell people that my personality leaves mm. for two. Like that doesn't happen yeah. to people. Like yeah. what, what if I let people into that? You know, there's a fear. There was a fear there that I was not just going to be judged for it, but I was just I was going to have people just sort of back off and go. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I felt I felt like you know by revealing something like that, I'd be labelled a liar as well mm. for, for never having said anything and all mm-hmm. of a sudden what you you know because i got so so good at hiding mm. that you know i'd save it all for when i was on my own later on in the day mm. or whatever mm. um 
So what people are seeing is, you know, that person behind the bar, brilliant host, incredibly like, well connecting rehearsed. with everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well rehearsed. Um, but those moments alone became became incredibly difficult and dark, unbelievably mm. dark. Um, so, so yeah, I, I got to the point where I was, you know, I was ready to check out. Basically, I was fully, fully decided that's what was going to happen, and um, I, I reached out to my mum, just sort of, I don't know why, just like a, a kind of just total instinct to mm. to, to reach out, and I, you know, at the time it was like, okay, well, why am I doing this? It doesn't matter, just just call her anyway, and um, and and that that phone conversation, and I, it. it it probably saved my life because I would have done something if she hadn't answered the phone, then I probably wouldn't be here right now. And mm. there were, and I didn't really say anything, but she, she was just sort of there and you know, she could tell I, I, mm. I wasn't well at all. Cause your mum's got some mental health training. Is she a nurse? Yeah, she, yeah. She's like, that's her whole field, yeah. which makes this so, so much weirder, you know? Um, what do you mean? Well, I don't know. Like I would have, I would have thought that, because because of what my mum does does for a living, I would feel okay about um, discussing my sort of inner vulnerabilities mm. and, and that sort of thing. But but I I, I hid I hid them even mm. from her as well because I didn't want her to think that I was this downer Absolutely. and like that she'd failed somehow and all this mm. just this sort of protective of of my mum thing, which she mm. she kill me for because that's you know she'd say well that's my fucking job you yeah, know yeah. i'm protecting you like you don't do it the other way around yeah um but yeah but you know as soon as she she i said a few words you know namely you know after speaking to her after she was like you know when i when you said um you you were afraid of what you were going to do she was like okay well i know i know what that means mm. so so we you know she she was just like just go go to the doctor go and talk to her, which again was a weird shout but i just at this point i was just like right okay i trust i trust you went there and started talking to them and they referred me to someone else and, and all of a sudden like you know i didn't go and start talking to someone for for maybe a week or two afterwards you know i had to wait for a little bit I mean, you I mean like a therapist or yeah something. exactly mm. and and i was in a fortunate position you know through you know doing the very labor intensive um job i was doing that um I was, I was being paid all right. So I could, I could just like, this was an emergency. I was like, okay, actually I need to throw a bit of money at mm. this. So, I mean, I, f I consider myself incredibly lucky that I didn't have to sit on a waiting list like some people. Cause that, mm -hmm. that, that can be, that can be a killer, you know? Absolutely. Um, so, so, you know, but, but even, even so, like it still took a, a sort of week or two to, to, to get in and talk to somebody. So what you're saying, I think is that you decided to go private for therapy. Yeah. And and pay for it pay for yourself, it. yeah, yeah. And there was still like a bit of a wait, um, still, yeah. But but ultimately, it meant that you could get help quicker. Yeah, and and the fact that I I sort of let mum and this GP in a little bit, and the GP said something great. He said, um, he asked me like, do do you do you actually want to die, or do you not want to feel like mm. how you're feeling anymore? And that was like, okay. I should have asked myself that. That's yeah. that's an incredibly important distinction. I remember you said to me previously, or it might even have been in your TED talk, like, "What an important question!" Yeah, huge mm. question. Yeah, yeah, because obviously, the answer to that is I just don't want to feel like this anymore. Mm. You know. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so, so we're doing a lot of backstory here before you actually ask me what I've been up to the last <laughs> five years. But it, 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 it has important. to happen sort of chronologically, I guess. But anyway, so in the end, I, I, I got signed off work because I, I was ill. You know, at this mm. point, I, I accepted that this was this was bad. You, you know. Um, Do you mind me asking how that happened? Was that a GP signed you off, or yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, they signed me up. Yeah, it was weird actually. He, he was very much um, right. What, what do you want me to say? Mm. I was like, uh, well, I don't know. And then straight away, I feel like feeling like, okay, am I skiving here? So if it, I want to say to mm -hmm. him, I want him to write down on his little thing too ill to work. It's my professional opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want mm -hmm. him to. I don't want. I don't want to tell him that I'm too ill to work. I want him to think mm -hmm. I am, mm -hmm. so I don't mm -hmm. have to do it. Because it, I don't then know, it's not your there was a certain shame about it, you know, like I was ducking work or or whatever, mm -hmm. and and actually like 
why can't I just suck this up? But well, this is mm. what my bosses are going to say anyway. Mm. Why can't I just, you know, you haven't got two broken legs, you know, you, yeah. can, you can struggle into work. And, and so it's that, even in that moment, there's that voice of being like, come on, Jake, come on, Jake. Yeah, like, absolutely. I still have that. I, I still have that. It never goes for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the, the amount of work I've done over the last five years as a, a sort of advocate and campaigner and fundraiser and all that sort of stuff and the talks I've given where I... I really encourage people to to be open and to not feel ashamed about it. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel a bit hypocritical sometimes because when it because I still struggle. Like obviously I do. Of I course. will I will forever. But and, and when I do, I do I still do feel that shame of like mm. well, I don't want to actually want to let anyone else into this now. Like, I'll just deal with this. Mm. It's and it's even after all this time, like I, I still it's still a problem. It's, mm. it's still a, a problem to be solved. I remember you saying, and this got a lot of great feedback but in your talk sorry i keep coming back to your talk by the way i just right, feel like it's good, it's good it's, it's bloody good it's actually i'm gonna say it here the best one we've ever done really yeah. uh, i bet um, you say that to all the guests <laughs> no, <I> <laughs> but you said in that talk and i know it's got loads of great feedback online mm. that the trick with depression is it feels like an exclusive members club yeah like yeah, yeah. anyone can join yeah yeah it can happen at any time yeah, yeah it's expanding yeah. but it's yeah it's expanding <laughs> um but the trick is that like you feel like you're the only member yeah yeah it's mad and i would imagine like that voice is coming in to say well this is only you yeah yeah mm. and, and and if you want to sort of imagine what that would look like you know a huge like enormous ring of people all facing outwards so they can't actually see each mm. other and like Obviously, the simple thing to do would just be to turn around. So yeah. you're all facing in. You're like, mm-hmm. whoa, there they all are. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 actually it's actually pretty impossible sometimes. But though there's there's moments within it where that's where the conversation's good because you you know every I, I really do feel like it's, you know. So after after this all happened, I I decided to walk around Britain. I'll we'll probably talk about more about that in a minute. But but the 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 prevailing thing that I found about that was the conversations. Like, so you know everybody that I met while I was while I was sort of doing this big endurance challenge, um, wanted to know why I was doing it. Mm. So so I'd, I'd have to sort of tell them the story I just told you about mm-hmm. how bad things got. And then, you know, 99% of people either knew exactly what I was talking about mm-hmm. or they had experienced it indirectly. You know, someone mm-hmm. else in their life had, had, had been through a similar thing. And that's and that's where it's like, okay, yeah, people people need to turn around from this yeah. big circle and and look inward because it is it is every you know not everyone knows what it's like to get strung out you know on, on booze and drugs in a in a in a bar environment, but most people know what it's like to feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. and and scared and those sort of thing and and that and you, you know pe- people struggle with the conversation to mm. talk about it to open up a lot of the time and I think part of that is because you know they think well I'm I'm the only me there is. I'm the only one who's landed here, has 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 been here for 30 years and had the experiences and the people and yeah. all that kind of stuff in my life. I've arrived here for very specific reasons. Mm-hmm. How the hell is anyone going to really possibly up? relate to anyone else? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 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 the, the so so yeah, so you don't talk about mm. that. You don't talk about the money problems and that you talk about the the, the gut feeling mm. you've got and that's really hard to talk about because that that is like um that is revealing weakness and that's not mm. actually what it is but it's what you think it is it's a perceived it's weakness yeah yeah of course yeah. yeah and it's like you know for many reasons you know you don't want to burden people with that you don't want people to know that you don't you know you're worried what people how people might change around mm-hmm. you if they if they're aware of that there's all these reasons not to do it in your head perceived mm. reasons mm-hmm. but when you but when you actually allow yourself to become that vulnerable and and speak in terms of you know I feel completely overwhelmed and weak and I, I'm, I'm crying randomly and all this sort of stuff. In a, in a weird way, you sort of, you put your hand out and you invite the best part of that person forward because people know what those feelings are, regardless of how they arrived there. Mm-hmm. I, I think as well, like in, in my experience, like those people that you reach out to, it's kind of, I hope this doesn't sound too cheesy, but it's a gift to them. Mm. If people open up to me and albeit like I'm training as a therapist, right? So I hopefully I'm all right. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) But like, I'm not sure if you've had this experience when, you know, clearly so many people will have been opening up to you since sharing your story, but also like 
you're just a really nice person. I would imagine they were doing that before you shared your story. It's a gift. You feel like, wow, this person is sharing something with me that yeah. feels really important. Yeah, I know what you mean. Sort of, um, you, there's a gratitude for, for, you trust me with this information. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. you're right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's really easy to break down in this way if you're, if you know, if you're a decent person and and, mm-hmm. and you don't like seeing people suffering and, um, you know, you, 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 get something out of helping people mm. it's really easy to unpack when we're sitting here and we're both doing all right today do you mm-hmm. know what i mean but in the moment you know it's 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 tough because you're i don't know it's like trying to shout it through a wall or like through being co- covered in duvets or something and yeah you know it's like well what's the point yeah they're not gonna totally. hear me anyway i've had someone describe it to me before it's like talking behind a pane of glass it's like mm. people can see you but it's like there's something missing that's not getting through and yeah, you can't yeah. hear what's really being well yeah said. That, definitely and and also another reason i i struggle to talk to people about it sometimes it's like you know well not being able not being able to fully articulate what i'm feeling you know because a lot of it's nothing a lot of de- you know a lot of depression is feeling absolutely mm-hmm. like just i mean i'm not even sad at this point i'm mm-hmm. i'm just com- there's just nothing going on mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really tricky. Um, more, more, more to do with the sort of recipient of, you know, someone deciding that now's the time to open mm. up. Some, someone, you know, putting forth their vulnerabilities or whatever. It's, it's, a really, it's a really difficult one to receive a lot of the time and to put that on somebody, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, to to leave someone feeling like all they offered you was sort of a platitude and and a and a sound bite and and mm-hmm. not really much because they've got their own stuff going on mm-hmm. and for them to leave the conversation feeling guilty and mm-hmm. and a bit like oh am i a shit person for for not having really heard them or, or mm. that, that that that's a really that's 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 a part of it that i'm really um sort of interested in at the moment you know mm. the, what 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 it's like to receive that sort of information um, because you know, because a lot of a lot of my work is is you know trying to encourage and empower people to to discuss their vulnerability, to be open. But within the sort of mental health space, there isn't an awful lot of um, guidance in in how to be when someone is is mm. being vulnerable mm-hmm. in front. Of, do, do you know what I mean? Absolutely, that's I know really what you mean. tough. Yeah, it's hard. And I've found through doing the sort of work that I've done, I get I get messages from people I don't know occasionally sometimes quite frequently and um and if i'm if i'm not in the right headspace to to respond properly the most i can do is is a is is offer a platitude or something mm-hmm. and, and that and that always makes me feel a bit empty mm. and like i haven't that person hasn't got the best side of me there i like they've mm-hmm. opened their hand and the best of me hasn't walked forward mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's so. This, this is why this is important. Like, it's mm. the nuance of of every every person's experience with with their mental health mm-hmm. is. Um, you can't ignore it. You can't just throw. I feel you know. When I when I did my walk and um, you know, the Royals did you know got really behind mental health. Mm-hmm. That was a watershed moment, a watershed mm-hmm. year for mental health. You know, I was I was sort of for involved people that in. might not know. Can you just explain that a little bit? Yeah. Um. So I'd, I'd walked half the total mileage around Britain and the BBC had got in touch and asked if I, I if I wanted to feature in a documentary um, that they were putting together, which was about mental health, but also about the, um, what exercise and movement can, you know, the benefits mm-hmm. of that. The, the sort of premise of the show was I would be part of a group of people who would first and foremost sort of share their vulnerabilities with the, you know, with the country and, um, you know, dive deep into their sort of emotional response to life and and the second part was to train to run the london marathon together mm-hmm. which was there's a flagship yes you know, and it was heads together that year which mm-hmm. is the royals you know sort of conglomerate charity really which kind of you know has a bunch of different charities in it so it was like a, a year to discuss mental health and um and so yeah and and, and as as it was the Royals charity and because we were running the London Marathon that year, we got to meet Harry, Wills and Kate a couple of times, which was nuts. Um, and, um, and yeah, it, it was a real sort of watershed moment, but, and, and, and 
a real catapult of the subject matter into the mainstream and to into collective thought. Um, and in order to do that, there had to be like a, you know, a strong singular message. And I, I always take a bit, I take issue with sort of strong singular mm -hmm. messages because they, you know, by definition, it ignores the nuance of anything. And mm -hmm. I get it. It's a mm -hmm. good entry point. But the whole idea behind it was, it's okay not to be okay. Mm -hmm. Let's start talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I've sort of edged away from the sort of being a public figure within the mental health space recently because I still feel like there's, we're caught on that sort of mm -hmm. platitude. And um, whereas actually to move forward, you know, the acknowledgement of the nuances about what each individual person goes through is the thing to, and that's a huge fucking topic, obviously, yeah. mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. Yeah, but how would you want to see that evolve? Like, you know, if somebody is being opened up to and and hearing perhaps from a friend or a family member, hey, I'm not feeling great. Like, mm. what are the options for somebody to respond if they don't know much about mental health? Like, mm. I think sometimes there's a a fear of like, well, I don't know what to say here, or the opposite, which is I better fix this. And mm. so, uh, you know, in both in, can be really great. Both and can be great quite and, destructive. and quite yeah. destructive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's again it's a tricky one because to answer that question is to is to put out advice mm -hmm. that some people might not benefit from. True. In fact, totally the other. Um, but but what I will say, what 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 I think is the closest to a piece of advice that um, that anyone can is to just be be present with that person. You mm -hmm. know, saying saying the right thing is is virtually impossible, mm -hmm. especially you know I've tried to say the right thing, and I've been in the presence of people who have tried to say the right mm -hmm. thing when I'm, and almost every time it falls on deaf ears because it's like well what you said there was great, but here I am still feeling absolute, you know, nothing, you're not going to fix someone mm -hmm. by, by saying something, you know, one, one single thing. I don't think anyway, right. maybe, maybe mm -hmm. you know, so again, some people might be receptive to that, but I, I, I definitely not. Um, to feel valued though, mm. by someone is, is a language that sort of transcends, you, you, you know, you don't have to say anything to be mm -hmm. that present. Mm -hmm. Um, my my partner's sort of, you know, she struggles with me struggling a lot of the time um, about what to do, about mm -hmm. to leave me alone or to be near me or, or whatever, you know. And because um, she wants to do the right thing, quote yeah, unquote. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. And I don't know what the fucking right thing is. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. And, mm. and that's, you know, I can't I can't tell her a lot of the time. So what 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 invariably happens is, you know, if it's gone on for anything longer than a, a few days, she she will she will put my favorite like snack in front of me when I'm not expecting it. Or like she will touch me in a certain way as I walk past her in the hall mm -hmm. or whatever. And just, just these like, you know, sort of um, these, these moments that, that make the sort of atoms around me sort of vibrate and like, mm -hmm. like splutter back into life a little bit. It's like, okay, I'm good. You know, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm here because there's the, the feeling I get when, when the, the misery is completely uninterrupted and it's just going on and on and on. It's like, I'm not even here. Mm. And then it's a real easy leap to go to, well, why am I here? Mm -hmm. And it's an even easier leap to go to, I don't, I can't be here anymore. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and those, the, that presence that, that I feel from, from her and, and, and a few of my close friends as well, actually, you know, there's a, there's a weird like sort of disturbance in the force. I feel like sometimes where my friends will just reach out when I'm not, who knows, maybe they've got a massive WhatsApp group about it. <laughs> they're, they're all talking yeah, about yeah, behind yeah, your back. Yeah, yeah. I'm to work on my narcissism these days as well. Um, no, no, but like there's there's something, there's you know, there's, yeah, like I say, a sort of disturbance yeah. in the force where the people that really care about you make themselves known. Mm -hmm. and, and if you really do care about someone who's going through something, just making yourself known is, is, a, mm. is a, you know, saying the right thing and everything like, it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, mm -hmm. an absurd amount of press mm -hmm. pressure, actually. Um, but it's it's not that difficult, I think, if you really know someone, if you know the little things that they respond positively mm -hmm. to, just throw a few of those things that way and, and like, uh, everything atoms start vibrating again and everything feels like you feel a bit more connected. And that's, that, that's, that's probably something that's 
you know, most people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. could probably benefit from. That's such a great way of describing it. Um, I guess as well, what you said earlier around relieving people of that pressure to have to do the right thing yeah. as if there is one of them because mm-hmm. there's so, so many, mm-hmm. but just doing something. Well, yeah, and the pressure is greater when you really know that person as mm-hmm. well. It's like, well, how, why, why aren't I able to fix this person? Mm-hmm. Why... I know them deeply. Mm. I know what they need to hear. I know this, I know that, but I just, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a loss here. And maybe it is because it's still slightly taboo. Mm. Maybe, mm. maybe that is it. Maybe, maybe there's, there's like a, you know, a fear of engaging in, in, in such a, in such a thing. Mm-hmm. And having the language as well, like understanding yeah. how to have a conversation. Mm-hmm about it or not about it because sometimes it's like yeah you know i would imagine it's not what you want to talk about all the time it's not your no. entire identity no, even yeah, if you're course, feeling yeah. no right yeah um i want to talk a little bit and you mentioned this around your walk but it, it's kind of coming up now the importance of community mm-hmm. how did you experience that when you were kind of moving around the country you know three thousand miles mm. and also doing the documentary as well and training together with these people well well as, as someone who who is sort of learning to embrace their introversion, mm-hmm. y- you know, um, it, 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 it surprises people when I, when I say that I'm incredibly introverted and stuff, because I do, I, I, I like people mm-hmm. and I like being around people. It just drains my energy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You need but to recharge. I need to recharge yeah. afterwards. You know, it's, it's such a simple idea um, that, the people who are naturally introverted need time away from people to recharge. People mm-hmm. who are naturally extroverted need time with people to recharge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's quite, it, it feels like pretty spot on. It comes up a lot on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and being honest about about being, there's a, there's, a, there's a weird shame to introversion, I think, a lot more than there is to be extrovert because mm-hmm. by, by definition, to be extrovert is to feel and to know that you are connected to people mm-hmm. to the point where you need them mm-hmm. whereas it's it's easy to to think that you're not designed right or something you know you, you can't you can't exist within society mm-hmm. if you're introverted especially when you're feeling really low i mean that's that's got to be part of why i got myself into such a mess in the first place right like i'm if i'm the sort of person who needs to be on their own a lot of the time mm-hmm. to recharge when when running a bar am I ever away from people mm-hmm, apart from mm-hmm. when I'm sleeping it's just one of those jobs yeah. so for the first definitely the first few months I embraced solitude like mm-hmm. fully um but when I started to feel better I you know acknowledged that being being around people is good for me you know mm-hmm. I like people I really do mm-hmm. um and so the the offer to be part of this this BBC documentary was it came at the perfect time for many reasons but one was like okay I'm actually ready to be like I can, I'm going to be part of this group and we're charged all charged up yeah 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 and and we're we're going to sort of be this 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 group banging the drum for mental health all together mm-hmm. and you know I'm going to be really great in this group I'm going to really like look out for people and I'm going to really you know and so and there was so there was that but our our trainers that are running coaches they uh they had their own running crews. And so Chevy had one called Chasing Light, which is like a kind of mindful movement um, thing. It was quite small. Uh, and Charlie Dark has is the is the founder of Rundim Crew, um, which is, uh, they are based near here and they're one of the biggest, coolest fucking running. Oh, wow. Like, um, uh, not teams, but like collectives. Like a club. Running yeah, club yeah, sort of basically. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in London. Um you know, they they meet in a basement somewhere, and like they they <laughs> very Hoxton. Of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like what a, are you meeting, guys? Basement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a DJ <laughs> and all this sort of stuff, and it, it. But it's like you've never you've never known a group more sort of tight knit and congratulatory, and and just looking out for it. And um, and we got invited into that. A few of us who did the documentary into you know into their world for for a few weeks. And that was community like I've never seen. And that and that was a real wake up call to me. Like mm-hmm. this is like power in numbers is is kind of rare, really. Mm-hmm. But when when it when it happens, when it all connects and everyone in there is like it, it was it was it was like wow. Like we we went there. So they do this thing every after every London marathon. There's like 150 of them. 
and every London marathon, obviously some get in, some don't, but they do like a a big medal ceremony Mm -hmm. after London marathon. So Charlie will be up the front and he'll be like reading off the names of the people who ran it and he takes your medal off you when you come in and then he he will he will go like right who's next on the list all right okay this person talk about who they are and what they mean to the crew and all this sort of stuff everyone cheers when they go but he presents them with the i'm getting tingles just talking about it it really is like special man like it really is cool and um and so yeah so that was that was like the i've never felt community like it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now and that was something that you know without wanting to you know start my own really positive running crew when i get back to brighton or whatever was like no these these principles mm-hmm. you know group mentality for for good and it, and, and it was especially um, powerful for me because this was going on right down the road from where I was running this bar right. and felt so isolated and felt so like swallowed in mm-hmm. in the in the belly of the beast that is London mm-hmm. and and like I was being you know chewed up and churned out and 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 completely disillusioned with humanity and 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 group mentality and all that sort of thing and just down the road it's like in this basement somewhere there's <laughs> just like this group of people who are just angelic what do you think that sort of like magic bit is then if you were to think about i don't that. I, I don't think you can deconstruct it you know mm-hmm. you either feel it or you don't don't you mm-hmm. it's the same with anything I I felt it deeply there like this is this felt like almost like a happening that what was yeah. going on it was just like Wow, this is humanity at its absolute best, and those those things are kind of rare, mm-hmm. you know. Especially when everyone people, everyone gets bogged down with with life and how things. I mean, fucking state of countries in the toilet at the moment, and ev- and everyone's struggling, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's really, you know, I'd be amazed if anyone isn't feeling completely disillusioned with the state of affairs. Um, so anything that makes you feel like oh humanity's mm. pretty good actually like yeah don't ask questions about it don't mm-hmm, try and find mm-hmm. it just be it's like that's special that's sacred let's it's leave like, that alone yeah, it's working yeah it's magic yeah. it's it's real it's real magic you know I, i'm i'm a big believer that there's 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 energy and stuff and you know things things that are happening on earth that light doesn't touch and so mm-hmm. that we can't see that is definitely there like energy fields and that that sort of thing you know and if if we could, maybe maybe it would be easier to navigate. You know, let's let's stay over here where the light's mm-hmm. all nice mm-hmm. blue, pink, and good vibrations over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, stay away from the green. Stay, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Tell me a bit about how you experience kind of exercise as part of your journey from a, from a mental health perspective. Um, well, I mean, I mean, I decided to walk around the country because get, getting up and going out for a walk was the only only thing that felt like my decision within being signed off from work you know Mm -hmm. I spent I spent a huge almost you know the entire amount of time that I was signed off in a ball in a duvet and it was you know it's my mum's suggestion she was like well just take the dog for a walk once Mm -hmm. a day just kind of get out there and you know I blew that off a bunch of times before I actually went to do it and it was Mm -hmm. probably just boredom in the end but like you know this this awful feeling I had had been controlling my mood and the things I was saying and how connected to my friends and family I was for so long and mm. nothing had felt like my choice. And then all of a sudden I was like choosing to go and walk the dog. And so that felt good. And then being outside and being in nature felt really mm. good. You know, there's a simplicity to that. Um, and and then and then the the moving just you, you know being up and being active and stuff there wasn't an awful lot of that going on while I was Mm -hmm. yeah had substance abuse problems and and all that sort of jazz you know um and so the the, you know as the longer the walks got you know the more I enjoyed them the 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 longer the walks got Mm. and the more sort of enjoying getting a bit out of breath and Mm -hmm. working up a bit of a sweat all that kind of stuff and then and so and so those those three things were like the reason why I decided to walk around Britain. And so one of those was that movement being active is, mm-hmm. is good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's kind of, it's almost like I needed some extreme levels of like nature, 
mm. exercise and stuff, all these things I'd neglected to help balance the yeah. scales again mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. everything had been so shit, like rock bottom shit. And then and then I needed a, a, a suitable amount of weight of, you know, so walking 15, 20 miles every day, being in ne- completely yeah. immersed like in nature all the time. Like you can yeah, get yeah, on yeah, nature. Yeah, exactly, yeah, the highest dose I yeah. can. So, so yeah, obviously a, a huge part of that was 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 walking and being active and stuff and um and and when when i did this documentary and and we were lucky enough to have these you know world-class running coaches who were able to um talk about why exercise was so Mm -hmm. so good for not not for like performance or this is how fast you can get this is how ripped you're gonna get it was like no this is this is good for you like Mm -hmm. mentally this is Mm -hmm. gonna really sort you out I, I I went into, you know, what is now like a you know world of looking after myself through exercise with the right mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is for this is for how it makes me feel. This isn't for how yeah. it's going to make me look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so within that, there's there's one there's just one goal. You, you know, and it's and it's pretty mm-hmm. well achievable. Every, every time I go out for a run, I end up feeling so much better than mm-hmm. I did beforehand and it's not just when I'm running it's when I get back it's for the rest of the day you know because you've, I've got you know the fact that I did it in the first place mm-hmm. which is just like a little like notch of achievement there and then I've got the endorphins obviously and then and also the fact that, that there's a simplicity to that as well you know music and running mm-hmm. those two things together a certain kind of music when I'm running I am bulletproof. Yeah. Like, no, mm-hmm. no negative thought can touch me when I'm listening to like pounding like hardcore punk or metal mm-hmm. or something. And I've just, so there's this catharsis w- with it. I'm just, you know, any sort of frustration at myself or, mm-hmm. or, or like negative feeling I have just goes mm. and it's nowhere near me. And that's it, so empowering. Yeah, it's powerful. Uh, it's like a change in state it is yeah completely mm. is and and the combination of listening to the the sort of music that i love while running it's there's there's no there's no better combination of things for me to make to make me feel better mm-hmm. and i i i honored that fairly recently by um running the grand union canal path from birmingham to london oh wow so there's a band that i love playing in birmingham and then they were playing 6 days later in london i was like all right. Okay. So, is that possible? Can I run Doing from Birmingham? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But run from Birmingham to London in six days? Can I do that? But again, you know, there was this thing driving me where I was just like, yeah, I kind of, I feel like it's significant. You know, the, yeah. the, I, I feel like I want to honour this, this like combination of heavy music and and running that I love so much. So yeah, yeah. So I, you did, did it. I, I did it. Yeah, in like Good six for days. You. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was fucking hard it I was, can imagine it was, and I, I couldn't run for like three months afterwards it was really bad I'd yeah. have x-rays and stuff oh shit I need to stop being seduced by these like insane distances yeah. and, you know but I guess you've built that foundation where you did something pretty insane yeah. you know 3,000 miles and I yeah. remember you telling me like I looked at a map one day had a quick think and then just walked out the house with it and that yeah. was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's pretty, that's a huge thing. But to go from achieving that, achieving the marathon, mm. it's kind of no surprise to me that you would think, oh, six days like Birmingham to, can I? I know. Like, sure you're going to think that. But I would argue that, that that was that was bad for my mental health, if anything. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah. No, I mean, I, I got, I got, well, I mean, because there was a delayed fuse on the sense of achievement I got because mm. I really crocked myself badly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in a way, even though I managed to get there, I was, yeah, I was crocked for like th- nearly three months. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like I failed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I I'm re- thinking about that voice that you mentioned yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> like, cool, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Mm. But, um, but it, it sort of made me realise that I need to protect how good running a couple of miles in a yeah. day makes and me feel. Uh, yeah, and I feel like by, by taking on a, a, yet another absurd distance, mm-hmm. And it really hurting me this time. I had to sacrifice the those you know the the, the regular you runs out on that, those little moments. that keep me yeah, yeah that, that keep me completely balanced. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, I'm glad I did it, and it was fun to a point. And I got to see my favorite band twice in a week, which mm-hmm. was the best bit. 
like um, knackered at the second one. Uh, but. Yeah, yeah. Was, well, I mean, it was great though because a friend of mine, he's he's in the industry and he managed to get us like a private box at the the O2 oh, wow. where they were playing. And um, like free bar and all that sort of stuff. Nice. Yeah, it was, just, it was good. Like it was mm-hmm. really, it was really great. Um, day. But yeah, no, I was, I was a wreck for a, mm. for about a week afterwards, and I couldn't run again for three months, and that that was that was bad. Yeah, we've spoken a bit about kind of things that you have found have supported you, and we were kind of talking earlier. Like, there's no silver bullet to kind of say the right things to people, etc. And mm-hmm. I'm sure, you'd agree. Like, there's no silver bullet. For you to what to do for yourself as well, yeah. But for you, like exercise has worked, community has worked. I wondered if we could talk a little bit about the role that therapy played mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Only share what you want to share, but I would love to hear more about your experience. Those kind of first two weeks you mentioned, mm. five or six years ago, versus how you reflect on that now and how therapy may or may not have helps you in those moments well it definitely helped mm-hmm. it definitely helped um and it was cbt that i ended up having mm-hmm. um which i know isn't for for everybody but i, f- I found there was like a there was an educational element w- within that mm-hmm. you know that it was um my therapist would would be you know this is uh how we feel a lot of the time, you know, mm-hmm. she, she would talk, talk about in it, in, it together. In, in those times. Yeah. Like we're in it together. And, um, there was, there was, for whatever reason, there was like a comfort in that. Um, yeah, I, I liked it mm-hmm. and I often feel like I should do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've not done it for a few years mm-hmm. and it, it, it allowed me the, the space to, to actually, talk about it, try and articulate it in a mm-hmm. way with, with someone who was impartial, not just impartial, but someone who is absolutely not going to judge me for what I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, this is their job. Mm-hmm. So um, it is it is a slightly blurry time, I've got to say. I don't mm. remember it all that well. Um, but I do, I do remember being, responding, well, you know, leaving her um, office, room, whatever it is. And... And feeling like I've done good work there. Mm. Like that was good. Mm-hmm. She's got my back. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's I I, I was it, I was ready to talk at that time. Clearly, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd taken the taken the lid off mm-hmm. a little bit with with my mum and and this GP, and and so there was a crack there, and I feel like she knew how to prize it mm. prize it open fully, mm-hmm. and that sort of set me up for. Um, set me up well for for talking incredibly publicly about it and I don't think I'd have been ready to do that unless unless mm. I'd spoken to her. So before we wrap up, based on thanks for sharing so much today, by the way, but based on kind of your own experiences and kind of knowing what you know now with becoming a mental health advocate and all of the amazing work that you've been doing, what's one thing that you know now? that you wish someone had told you like six years ago about mental health? Um, that looking inward and, try, and trying to figure yourself out and, and not condemning yourself to, you know, not, not, not beating yourself up for feeling how you do, but for being intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. That's a huge help. Like my emotional response to, to what's around me is, is something that's, only true to me and so it's a, it's a subject that is obviously going to interest me mm-hmm. you know my my instinct when when anything when i felt different to like the crowd or if, and i'm talking about you know my teens and my sure. 20s you know mm-hmm. when when so important the world is going to end if, if, if you don't fit in you've dyed your hair a bit yeah. <laughs> a bit <laughs> on the ginger I side know, I know. what's going on that was mean i'm sorry yeah. no no it's fine it's <laughs> funny um and and yeah yeah looking looking inward and trying to work yourself out it allows you to sort of understand why you respond emotionally to things Mm -hmm. and why you don't respond respond emotionally Mm -hmm. to things and to to see yourself as 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 a complete person Mm -hmm. you you know and and also you know if there's if there's this this much interesting sort of stuff going on inside me it must be the same for for other people Mm -hmm. as well and and by by looking inward enough 
I've become incredibly forgiving of of other people and their mm. behaviors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's uh, it opens a door for mm. sure. Mm. So it sounds like kind of doing a bit of work to figure out like what's going on for you. Yeah, it's hard. And, yeah. It, is, it is work. Yeah, 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 for sure. And like, you know, finding time to sit down and think about yourself is just not really what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean? But in those in those little moments you know trying to being mindful of your mm. emotional mm-hmm. response because there's normally a physical thing happening at mm-hmm. the same time in the, in your stomach or like in your hands or, mm-hmm. or whatever and being mindful of those things and trying to you know and, and, and i suppose that's the point of therapy as well is to try and make make you piece together certain certain things you know external things and what what's what's happening within you as a result of that you know if, if you can if you can be open to sort of doing that yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that's the point of therapy mm-hmm. and there's a whole industry just dedicated to that. So if you can do it on your own, it's like, yeah, like building that awareness. And I liked what you said as well, as well around, if you understand yourself better, you can be much more empathetic for other people. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, and being forgiving of, of other people is a, uh, is a good way of, relieving yourself of a sort of general frustration mm, like because mm. I, I i used to get really frustrated with people and 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 you know we live british people live in a blame culture yeah it's totally. so, it, it, and mm-hmm. i hate i hate, absolutely hate it and i hate i hated my life when i was i think more like that you know i used to take real issue with you know getting on a bus and a bus driver not saying hello or, you know mm. i'd sit there the whole journey and be like what is this fucking Fuming. problem yeah but, we hold everyone to such a high standard, I know, don't we? I know, I know. Yeah. It's like, well, life's hard for you. Why wouldn't it be hard for that guy? Mm. Why wouldn't it be hard for that person, you, you know, who looked at you funny in the supermarket? The, the, mm-hmm. do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, if you if you start seeing yourself as, as someone who's completely, who, whose mood is really, is it can be quite erratic mm-hmm. and, and, you know, things within you contradict themselves and, you know, you've done things and said things to people in the moment that, probably make you come off as a bit of a twat mm. but you know you're a good person you know you didn't mean it you know you didn't mean <laughs> yeah. it yeah yeah like there's, yeah, you know, totally. there's every time, i mean you know yeah some people are just idiots but but you know they're, they're all just babies at the end of the day there's gross <laughs> comedian i like he said this great thing where he, he was like i used to really hate everyone but then i had kids and then i started seeing everyone as babies and then and then instead of <laughs> Instead of like being annoyed with with this person over here for doing something, you say, "Hmm, I really hope that baby figures out why they turned into such an asshole." <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I feel like that's perfect to close on. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for joining. I really oh, appreciate yeah, it's been it. Great. Yeah, it's been so good to see you again. Thanks for having me. Mm.